Father, we just pray, Lord, that this word is timely this morning for somebody in this room. I pray for all of us, Lord, that we could glean something today and that we might be moved to spend more time with you, Jesus. We love you. We honor you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Here we go. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I just love this text. I love especially the phrase, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. If Jesus endured the cross in part due to the joy that was before him, post-cross, how much more do we have to look forward to heaven? I mean, if Jesus is looking forward to sitting at the right hand of the Father and being with him eternally, how much more do you and I, or ought we look forward to sitting with the Father in heaven or worshiping the Father in heaven? Um, I think this is an important theme for us to consider this morning this idea of running a race. Um, there's a few words in these verses that describes the kind of running that we ought to be doing as Christians, or might I say the speed or the pace of our running. Normally we take on a topic like this uh, around that last Sunday in December when we've completed the holiday season or in between the holidays, um, and we we talk about. I think now may be an um, even more appropriate time to talk about running the race and spending time with Jesus. Why? Well, after all, this is the time where people stop going to the gym. March. This is the time where a lot of people renege or fall short on their resolutions, right? So, how much uh, more important that we be uh, reminded? to continue to run and run well. So words like perseverance are important. The scriptures don't say start the race. Uh, They don't even say simply run the race. They say run with perseverance the race, and there is a difference. Um, Before I attempt to talk about running, uh, might I tell you that I don't run. I hate running. Running is as boring an activity to me as anything I've ever done in life that's boring. If you have a ball in the mix, however, I can run all day long. I love chasing a football. I love chasing a frisbee. Um, And in particular, I learned in life to love to chase a racquetball. Now, this was at Belmont University who I don't know if they won their uh, last conference game last night uh, or not, but they were uh, in their last conference game of the season in basketball. Um, Belmont has this beautiful new building. I guess it's 10 years old now with a beautiful new set of racquetball courts 
encased in glass, and I'd go there every day around the lunchtime, and I'd play my professors. Well, I would get better at serving and, and chasing and angling, and I got really confident in my game because I started beating some of them who were known to be racquetball players. And then I went home and continued to be confident in North Carolina over the course of a couple months before I moved here until I met a guy by the name of Buck Jwiggins. Buck Jwiggins. Buck was a retired man in his mid-60s who attended my dad's church in North Carolina. Buck invited me to go play racquetball. And let me tell you, when a 60-some-year-old man asks a 30-some, at the time 20-some-year-old man to compete in racquetball, well, I was, let's just say, delighted. Because I intended to spank Buck in that racquetball game. And he's shorter than me, and he's rounder than me and his heart is older than mine and slower than mine and so I got excited because I envisioned myself kicking Buck's bum I saw myself running in circles around the man and indeed I did run in circles around the man because Buck was so incredibly proficient at the sport of racquetball that he'd stand in the very center of the room and place the ball wherever he'd like to place it and send me chasing. And so around and around him I ran, chasing the balls that he would hit. He happened to be the state senior champion. He didn't have to move. Again, his defense was his offense. His offense was his defense. His mind carried decades of racquetball wisdom as it pertained to trigonometry. He knew every single angle of the room. I was in the shape of my life, and in a game to 15, I scored maybe four points. Three, two on the majority of them. He would smile. He would chuckle. I can still hear his chuckle. The difference between Buck's style and my style was that I played with enthusiasm while Buck played with perseverance. He played with endurance. I played with passion. He played with longevity. If we're going to serve Jesus well in our 60s, we need to serve Jesus like Buck played racquetball. Because if you're going to spin in circles and chase balls all over the place, your spirit will get beat to a pulp. And it'll follow not long thereafter your body. Let me read you another passage this morning out of the book of Luke. Chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. 
Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. A couple observations uh, right away. First, Jesus did have friends. I think often we picture him as this isolated, lonely figure, kind of like John the Baptist, but that wasn't Jesus. Jesus lived in relationships. Mary and Martha, who are sisters, and Lazarus, their brother, are among Jesus' closest of friends. If you'll remember, he wept when Lazarus died. He loves this family. It's important that we have friends too. We need friends to run the race with endurance. Our our friends ought to be different, I would posit, than Facebook friends or Instagram followers. Um, Those people often choose us, but we choose our friends. We do. So let me ask you a question. Who Who are your friends? Are your friends those that edify and encourage and uplift you? Or are your friends those that are like leeches and absolutely suck the life out of you? And I would say it's important to have both because we ought to be reaching down to help others up and also reaching up and being assisted in life. But if all of our relationships are pulling other people up, It's an absolute exhausting way to live. So choose wisely your friends. Help some, be helped by more. That's the way it ought to be. If you aren't energized by your friends, make new friends. Do that. Notice that Jesus' friends ministered to Jesus. They gave life to Jesus. They fed Jesus, they were attentive to Jesus. You've got to understand when Jesus enters a a town at this point, he's a superstar. Crowds swarm him. They want things of Jesus. They need things of Jesus. They demand things of Jesus. You don't need friendships that do that. You need friendships that nourish and refresh you. Another observation is that Jesus had some female friends. He did. We have great difficulty with this today, and it's in large part because in our culture, most relationships um, with the opposite sex end up gravitating toward sin. It can become emotionally appropriate i even heard a crazy stat that somebody came up with i'm not sure this is even based on any research but it's like a thousand hours after having spent with somebody supposedly you're more prone to an affair with that person because there's just a familiarity there there's just a closeness um so so we in some ways want to avoid it all together and and my my point that i want to bring up is there's a healthy balance in between Jesus had female friends, but he didn't hang out with females alone. You know your weaknesses. I would even encourage you, and I say this in premarital counseling, and and occasionally I'm taken to task over this, but I still think the argument wins every time. And it's that once we're married, we ought not to have, I believe, close friendships with those of the opposite sex. 
where we're regularly with somebody else that's not our spouse alone. I just have rarely, I will say there are exceptions, but I'll just tell you, I have rarely seen anything good come out of it. And many, many, many times I have seen infidelity as an outcome. So be careful to have friends of the opposite gender, Jesus did, but also don't take it too far. Um, Another point that I want to make is kind of obvious is that siblings are different. How many of you would agree with that? Siblings can be very, very different. Um, How many of you have a sibling that's different from you? Okay, I do as well. Martha, in this case, is the driver. She's a to-do person. She's the one who comes home from school and she rolls up the empty garbage cans from the end of the driveway and she and she neatly completes her homework and puts the folder back in the backpack and, and she hangs her backpack on the hook and she starts chopping up onions and celery for dinner. Mary, she's just like a butterfly, man. Wherever the wind's blowing, that's where she's going. She just does whatever comes to mind. She's... However, more contemplative. She gravitates towards silence and towards fasting. Mary does and towards prayer and towards journaling. She's active. Martha is. Mary is passive. The beautiful weather of summer isn't enough for Martha. Martha's got to be doing things. So she's Googling things to do in Wausau. Things to do in Edgar, things to do in Finwood and Appleton and and Chile and Little Chicago and Nutterville. She's at Rib Fest and she's at Colby Cheese Days and she's at the Edgar Steam Show and the Warren's Cranberry Fest. She's just everywhere. Mary, on the other hand, is very Bible centric. She's absolutely content sitting at the feet of Jesus. Teach me the Bible, Lord. Instruct me, please. I don't need anything else. I only need you, Lord. Martha's like, get up. Do something. Check off your list. Complete your task. Let's make this happen. For Mary, it's, well, I want to be someone. This is an internal thing. I want to be teachable. I want to be humble. I want to be with with God. Mary is type A, rather, Martha is type A, Mary is type B. Mary worries a lot about relationships. How's my relationship with Jesus? Martha, she's worried about not relationships, but responsibilities. What ought I be doing? So let me just pause at this time and ask you to take an inventory of your personality. Are you a Mary or are you a Martha? Try to fit yourself neatly into one of those two categories. And if you're not certain, I would argue you're probably a Mary. Because Martha knows darn well who she is, okay? So think about it. Who are you? In other words... Would you be so blessed, so honored by the very presence of Jesus Christ that you would turn off everything were he to knock at the door? 
Or what do you say, Jesus, could you just, could you just come back like in two hours? I'm just going to sweep and clean and get some things out of the nooks and crannies and tidy. I got to declutter, really, Jesus. Can you come back? I'm going to make a charcuterie spread for you, Jesus, but I need some time. Okay? Who are you? If you're a Mary, acknowledge it. If you're a Martha, acknowledge it. If you're a guy and acknowledging one of those names is uncomfortable, Marv or Marty are options, okay? Okay. So some of you might say, I don't know which one I am. Again, you're Mary. Are you done? Everybody got it? Okay. In this story, oftentimes there's so much good that said about Mary. This is just the way preachers treat the text oftentimes. Mary is fantastic. Mary is great. And Jesus says Mary even chose the good what? Portion, he called it. Now, that's an interesting comment. It doesn't mean food, but what has Martha uh, been doing all day? Martha's been making portions, right? She's been cooking, okay? So what Jesus is saying is, you know what, Martha? You're trying to give me the good portion. You're trying to give me the biggest, juiciest piece of, of fried chicken in the pan. But here Mary is, and she's being humble and wise and teachable and available to me. So in the re, in, in, at the end of the day, she is the one that gets the good portion. The good portion isn't the chicken, Martha. The good portion is me. It's my presence. It's my being. It's my companionship. And I want to remind you that in all your busyness, it doesn't matter what you're trying to acquire or how you're trying to be promoted or what hobbies you're taking an interest in. None of that is the good portion that Jesus is. He's to be adored. He's to be treasured. He's to be uh, he's to deserve your time and your energy. John Piper is known for saying, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. I love that saying. God receives the most glory when we're most satisfied in just being with him. When he's enough for us. Again, the way sermons sometimes go is Mary's good, Martha's bad. Be like Mary, don't be like Martha. But let me give you Martha's like, who do you think I am? (laughs) I'm a Martha. Like me, some encouragement. Um, Look at verse 38. A woman named Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. Jesus comes to town. Who welcomes him? Who's the hospitable one? Who's got the gift, the spiritual gift of hospitality? Martha does. She invites him in. That's a good thing. There are benefits to hanging with Martha's. Are there not? Ask Mary. Martha feeds her all the time, right? This is great. This is excellent. This is what the Marthas do. Um... But if that's what's good about Martha, what's bad about Martha? We find that out in verses 40 through 42. Martha was, what's the word? 
distracted with much serving. Is it possible that the Marthas among us get distracted, overextended, overcommitted in this life? It absolutely is. You can reach the point where you have nominated yourself to do way too much. Where you can have too many relationships even spinning in a single season. Where you have too much work for a given time period. Second half of verse 40, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care? This is what Martha said. Do you not care? See, here's what happens to Martha's. They start to inwardly become resentful that the Marys don't have as much on their plate as they do. They start to loathe and seethe. Outwardly, it looks like they're serving sacrificially and being the busybody, but inside, they're saying, nobody ever helps. I'm doing all the work. Nobody follows through. I'm burned out. I'm frustrated. Marthas need to be careful not to allow their tendency to take on too much responsibility turn into self-righteousness. I'm better because I'm, I'm, I'm doing more. <coughs> Excuse me. Jesus, do you not care? Jesus would say, of course I care, Martha. I mean, I created the heavens. I know you intimately. I love you. I'm going to die for you. I'm, I'm the one that created the laws of nature that enabled you to enjoy that hot air balloon ride in Wausau at the Rib Fest. The barbecue that you so enjoy, the, the, the one that won best in the nation three years running, like I, I created that, that pig. I get it. They're not clean animals, but don't they taste good? I permitted you to enjoy them. And I atone for the sins of, of the world. I care for you, Martha. Thank you for the fried chicken. Look what Martha does next. Jesus, tell Mary to help me. Tell Mary to help me. Now she's tattletailing on her sister in doing that, but who's she really bossing around? She's bossing around Jesus. Tell Mary to help me. Certainly she's already heard that Jesus, by way of a miracle, multiplied food. He did it multiple times, not just once did he feed thousands of people. She could have sat down and sang worship songs and, and, and washed his feet and, and been there and enjoyed his company. And at the end of all of it said, hey, we haven't had time for fried chicken. That's great. Do that lunchable thing. Multiply some stuff. Come see what I got in the pantry, Jesus. But she insisted upon doing. 
And so she nominates herself for something Jesus never asked her to do. And now she's frustrated when Jesus doesn't do as he's told. How many of you in the past have become so burned out and so frustrated because you committed some, to something that Jesus never asked you to do in the first place? Anybody besides myself? Did Jesus get angry with her? No, he did not. But the Lord answered her. Marcia, Marcia. Not Marcia, is it? Martha, Martha. He used her name twice as a term of endearment. That means, I love you, Martha. Martha, Martha. I know you're anxious. I know you've got a million things to do. But you need to understand that you're never going to get them all done. Someone spoke that to me as a young man who was so bit out of shape because my to-do list never got emptied. It bothered me that I could never get to the bottom of it because when I'd get down to just a handful of things and think that it was almost all done, I'd add 10, 15, 20 more things. And a very wise man named Bob Carlson, who many of you know, said, Zach, can I just communicate a little truth to you? It's never going to be empty for the rest of your life. Just quit aspiring to that. It's not going to happen. You're going to get married. You're going to have kids. It's going to get longer. You're going to have to become content with where you are. Just spend some time with the king. Just quit trying to do it all and just enjoy Jesus. And enjoying him. Enjoy your life. Quit running around the racquetball court. You're just going in circles. Sit down in the middle of the room. Learn the angles and spend time with me. I think the, the real point that the Bible's driving home is Mary first, Martha second. Would you just say that with me? Mary first, Martha second. Second, spend time with Jesus, then go get stuff done. That's what God's asking for. Worship like Mary, then work like who? Martha. Quit volunteering yourself as a savior of humanity. It's already been done, right? Jesus did it. He's plugged every hole, really. He's already done that. Instead, spend time with him and say, God, what portion, what portion of your mission are you really asking me to take on in the spearhead? I love that last thing I want to communicate is it's, it's awesome that Martha did not give us the Luke, you would think, came by later, eyewitness account, spoke with the sisters, and then gave us this, this story. So 
that was his role. He was funded by Theophilus. He went around interviewing people, and that's why we have this, this account. He wrote it down. And so we would assume that um, Martha didn't give him the holier-than-thou account. I mean, she didn't give him the unrepentant version. She didn't say, I've got my stuff together. Because he, he wrote that she said, um, she said basically, I've neglected the good portion. And, and then Jesus said, Martha, I love you, basically. I'm paraphrasing. Let's just refocus this thing. Let's just tune in together. It was gentle. It was encouraging. And, and so, in conclusion, I, I just say some of... I think the Marthas and the Marys can help each other in beautiful ways if they're friends. Because I, I think the Marthas forget that sometimes the Marys get incredibly lonely and isolated and need the optimism and energy that Martha brings to the table. And I think when the Marys no longer eat by themselves and go places by themselves and and have some some friendship in life, that's a good thing. Meanwhile, I think as we've spoken to this morning some of some of the Marthas can benefit from the Marys in 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 that they they learn I don't need to post a Facebook status you know or a, a Twitter what do you call those <laughs> tweet um three four times a day I can actually just chill out and quit spinning my wheels and love the king and serve the king and glorify the king and I hope that we can develop a further understanding of that as we mature in the faith. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just ask, Lord, that you would just help the, the Marys among us to feel loved, to feel known, to feel recognized. I pray, Lord, that without having the privilege of your company in a tangible way, which I'm sure was profound and powerful, that the Marys in, in our day will feel your closeness. Lord, that they would know that you exist, that that would be their reality, that they would sense you, and that they would become alongside by the Marthas. And I pray, Lord, that the Marthas, Lord, will recognize that while they are not Marys, they can be Marys first, that they can, can get alone with you, that they can tune their instrument, their soul in the mornings, that they can read uh, a text of Scripture um, and, and, just, and just get to know you more and enjoy your company. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.